Google actually uh, makes quite different SEO for various niches. You know, like for travel, it's one thing. For uh, for PDF segment, it's a different thing. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO. So I'm your host, George Hasiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Andri Terentiev. Andri is an enterprise SEO specialist focusing on online travel and e-commerce. He started working at Kiwi.com as you know an SEO uh, lead from level zero in 2019. Some of the achievements uh, since then for Kiwi.com are that organic traffic exceeded exceeded pre-COVID-19 level in May of 2021, non-branded organic traffic increased by 1,100% in 2021 and 230% um, in 2022. And last but not least, total number of keywords uh, for Kiwi.com increased by 320%. And that's all very you know astonishing and uh, quite of, of a track record, I must say. So I'm very happy to be joined by Andre and discuss all these very interesting things. Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, George, for this uh, nice introduction. So, I mean, it's your track record, uh, you know, uh, I'm just I'm, I'm just here to, to read it. So uh, before we get started, can you please share a few things about uh, you and your background? What, you know, brought you to Kiwi.com? Uh, what, uh, you know, did you do before that? And if you want, you can get started even from the beginning. Like, how did you get into this SEO world in the first place? Well, I'd say I'd, I would uh, name myself as jack of all trades when it comes to startups. Um, uh, I, uh, before coming to SEO, I was working in various C roles and early stage startups since basically in the late 90s. Um, and back then I launched the first hotel booking website in Ukraine. I'm originally from Ukraine. Um, I lived and worked uh, in five countries, Ukraine, the United States, uh, UK, New Zealand, Germany, 
Czech Republic recently, now Spain, and also even worked in Moscow for uh, half a year, about 20 years ago, but, but I could not bear it. It was a city without the skies and people with no soul, as we say it. Then I started uh, to do my first SEO experiments basically in late 90s, right out of college. And it was SEO was always my, as a knowledge domain, has been always on my radar. Uh, even though I worked in other areas. But I really got into SEO when I was managing the hotelscan.com. It's a hotel meta search. And uh, at that time, uh, it was a, a VC-funded startup um, where I was uh, working as a C chief operating officer. And my big area of uh, involvement was uh, the SEO team. That's how I uh, learned a lot and uh, started to uh, go into this uh, much deeper. Uh, so then when I got into Kiwi in uh, uh, 2018, I uh, basically started with SEOs uh, from level zero. Unfortunately, company, or well, fortunately for me, um, company didn't do any SEO optimization uh, uh, since its inception. Um, so non-branded traffic was, uh, when I measured it, when we started was 0.08%. So everything that we got was, uh, only like kiwi.com keyword. That's it. There was nothing else, uh, uh, in, uh, in the Google search console. And, uh, gradually we worked through the, uh, um, uh, technical SEO part, uh, leveling up the field, allowing to, to do some, um, uh, uh, heavy, heavy lifting on, uh, on SEO part. And we started to grow the organic traffic as well. So now we, uh, passed about, uh, over, uh, 40, 50,000, uh, clicks per day on organic, um, which is, uh, quite, quite nice. Um, uh, and, uh, we recently passed the first, uh, million clicks, uh, Per, per month uh, only on Google. But when you count all organic traffic, it's much more. It's been quite a ro roller coaster. You know, it's 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 quite challenging to drive SEO in a big organization like Kiwi um, with a lot of different uh, teams, uh, a lot of different uh, uh, stakeholders. Uh, but it was fun. Uh, it is fun. Can I ask for people? Who, can we, if we could uh, take a step back for people who haven't heard of kiwi.com before can we please um can you please let us know what kiwi is all about uh, and you know who is a typical user sure it's um kiwi.com is uh, um, uh is a flight booking engine um not only flights but also we uh, provide uh, booking for trains and buses as well and uh, kiwi's unique feature is the uh, the ability to uh, interline uh, the flights or the airlines that are not connected in any um uh, in any agreements so what we can do is actually we index all of the airline websites and uh, come up with very unique itineraries uh from that allow basically covering the whole world from a to b okay so, that that sounds very very difficult to, to begin with because with all with all these flights and all these things happening uh when it comes to uh, airline companies uh, that sounds very difficult and i i assume that this also adds a very high level of complexity on the on the seo side of things but uh, a question i had which is actually something I'm, I'm i'm very curious about what 
websites do you compete against on the SERPs? Considering that Kiwi is the, as I said, like intermediate between airline companies and you know people who who want to book a, a cheap uh, flight ticket. So who is your competitor, in other words, on on the SERPs who may not be you know the, your 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 business competitor, but uh, you compete with them on the on the SERPs. Well, uh, the biggest uh, the biggest kids on the block is Skyscanner and Kayak, of course. Uh, these are the two major uh, companies uh, who are dominating the SERP. Uh, also, Expedia, uh, Cheap Flights, uh, uh, Momondo, many other, many other, and uh, there are quite a lot of strong regional competitors as well. Okay, like some of the companies you you mentioned, I know already, and I can only assume that they have very big budgets and they invest heavily in, when it comes to organic search so i guess you know this will make your your job more difficult uh, let's say and another question that i have for you is with regards to the typical customer lifecycle journey for a person who uses kiwi.com i mean as i see it people use the product only when they need to book a ticket so my question, I guess, is, is, is it just a one-time thing or like I happened to search for a flight. I, you know, somehow ended up to Q.com, took value out of it. And, you know, I forget about it and I will remember it the next time I will have to book a flight or have you found a different way or ways of keeping your like users and customers coming back well uh, the uh, the customer retention is uh, really um um a difficult difficult topic for flights otas um because typical customer is actually uh, doing exactly as you said you know like they're just booking uh, something that is cheap um, or cheaper cheapest or get the cheapest offer uh, get get their flights and then they might forget about it uh, and uh, not to have the such a big attachment to one company or the other okay that that makes sense yeah like that's kind of aligned with with what i had in in mind uh, regarding how the the life cycle uh, journey looks like for a company like qe.com now according to ahs you get more than 1.4 uh, um, million visits per month. You, you also mentioned that it's uh, around uh, 50K clicks uh, per day, which is quite impressive. You joined the company a few years ago. You managed to grow the, the traffic in you know very um, like great levels. What would you say are the main elements of this success? Um, well, before I s speak about this topic, I just wanted to mention that, you know, um, the level of investments and level of involvement of the whole company in, in the SEO is, uh, probably would be the, uh, the main, uh, driving force and the main success factor, especially for the large companies. If there will be no support from, let's say, top management and middle management across the whole organization, uh, this journey would not be possible. And, uh, even the level of investment is uh, secondary to this <laughs> because, uh, obviously with SEO team, I started myself, you know, so there was like one man show basically for the first, uh, more than, more, more than the first like one year or even more, I think like almost two years. Uh, and, uh, even though it was quite challenging to to accomplish everything and to balance all the uh, priorities uh, within uh, within the SEO realm it, it was a lot of fun uh, because you obviously get 
some good kicks when you see the traffic growing even though uh there was like basically zero before that yeah but i mean obviously having the 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 founders of the company and everyone in the company being uh like all in uh, when it comes to seo is 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 something important but are there any other elements that you would say besides that and the investment of course which as you mentioned may be secondary uh, besides having the buy-in from from the whole company and making them believe having them believe in, in in your vision about the website and organic search and so on and having the investment do you think there are any other um or do you see any other elements that were critical in your your success uh of course uh well there there are two things uh one thing is the uh engineering expertise uh and uh engineer involvement of engineering team because especially in the early stage of seo when you when the company is just starting and especially it's especially necessary for the late starters um uh, who are just entering a very competitive niches like flight travel or could be some other e-commerce niche um uh, uh, the the buy-in from engineering is really critical um because uh the more complex the engineering structure is the more necessary it is to uh, to get the, to make sure that the engineering teams across all of the uh, in all of the company are cooperating. Okay, I, I've heard that in some cases, like I can think of G2 right now, where organic search is a very important channel, if not, you know, the most important channel, the SEO team may sit under product. Okay, so it's included, let's say in the in the product team, uh, and works under the product team, would you say that a, a similar structure makes sense for like a company like kiwi.com or do you do you have something like that uh or yeah. it works independently and it it's included you know it works under marketing or growth or whatever well usually uh when you start it's uh the the maybe like 99 or maybe 90 percent of all the work related to seo you are doing with product because uh you don't start with the backlinks um uh, in this case, especially in the case of Kiwi, uh, because we got accumulated a lot of historical backlinks from um, various uh, uh, various sources, and uh, most of the backlinks are coming from uh, from uh, from the search results, which was another big challenge for us. I will speak. I'm probably going to speak about this a bit later. Uh, sorry, but uh, when you say from the search results, do you? What you're referring to is actually search results, kiwi.com kiwi search results, not the search results on Google. But uh, when you search for kiwi uh, on flights from kiwi.com, there is um, uh, a link that is generated uh, for each of the search query. And this link is obviously being shared by various companies, individuals, and so on, and websites. So uh, Kiwi has accumulated over the uh, eight years of its existence before we started with uh, SEO from 2011, Kiwi had got a lot of historical backlinks. I think it's just millions, you know. Uh, so uh, the backlinks uh, equity was not uh, the biggest problem for us. The biggest problem for us um, and the biggest challenge was actually to uh, prepare the proper landing pages uh that are seo friendly uh to make sure that uh uh google uh 
gets uh, the essence of our website and uh, increases our um, uh, topical authority in the travel sector. Can I ask you something, Andre? You mentioned uh, like the landing pages being SEO friendly. Do you think that when it comes to landing pages that serve kind of job to be done intent, I, I want to book uh, a cheap flight from Berlin to Valencia or whatever, do you think that UX also plays a role there instead of just having an optimized title tag and meta description and check all the SEO best practices, best practices boxes, actually offering a great experience? Do you think that it matters? And if yes, have you done, have you run any experiments and do you have any learnings in that direction? Well, it's an interesting topic. And uh, of course, uh, UX uh, does uh, play a big role in this, but not initially. So if you start, I would say uh, the uh, like majority of the users are not scrolling below the fold. So the main thing to optimize is just the above the fold part with the uh, nice, uh, let's say, um, hero section, uh, hero image and uh, nice uh, search form um and good um a uh, good title and uh, met, met, meta description and maybe just initial subtitles and so on this is the main thing that needs to be taken care of um the uh anything that is below the fold is also influencing the conversions as well but um i would say if you start this this goes um probably lower in priority and this is probably the hardest part in the enterprise seo and in the seo of the big website it's not uh what to make and how to make but uh, uh the, the actually priorities of uh, what to make first and which part of the uh seo uh need to be fixed uh on the first place second place and so on I understand. And I, I have a question for you. I, I would like to, to go back a bit to, to something you mentioned about Kiwi.com in the beginning, um, having branded searches. Now, Kiwi.com had, when you joined and still have, has a, a, a very strong brand with a decent number of monthly branded searches. How much of your overall success would you, would you attribute to the growth of Kiwi, the brand vs SEO strategies for non-branded searches, or would you say that at the end of the day, you know, the one fits the other and they have to grow hand in hand? Well, um, I, the branded searches, uh, remained constant throughout, uh, the, uh, my work at Kiwi, you know, so it was maybe about like 10,000 clicks per day more or less, uh, maybe 8,000 clicks per day, uh, sometimes six, uh, during the coronavirus, it was <laughs> very, very low. Um, uh, we had a very big drop then. Uh, but then, um, uh, once the Corona is over, you know, the game is back to the same about 10,000 clicks per day. So, uh, the, the rest of this 30, 20, 40,000 clicks per day, whatever we have on top of it is non-branded searches. Okay. It makes sense. Um, now, many of the keywords you, you, you rank for that are non-branded uh, um, are very competitive. How do you manage to get and maintain visibility for such keywords? For example, cheap flights, which I can only imagine how you know rough and intense competition may be for, for yeah, a keyword like that. It's, it's a bloodbath. That's true. Um, 
and obviously we uh, it's it's a long journey so uh companies like skyscanner kayak expedia they've been investing in this uh for uh like millions and or millions of dollars in this area for many years and of course for us uh like as a new company trying to compete with uh, with on, on brand serp on non-branded serp uh it, it it's it's a big challenge but uh there's still a lot of opportunities because you know um uh, the uh there are a lot of long tail keywords uh where you can uh really start ranking uh even though you don't have a lot of uh let's say uh a lot of historical uh, uh background in this you know plus another thing that i think would really help is actually understanding the niche itself um because what i find fascinating is that uh, google uh treats every niche um uh, differently in terms of uh, rankings so if you know how to rank let's say in healthcare versus uh ranking in let's say online travel uh the uh, set of the ranking factors that you need to optimize for as a first priority is, is way different um in in travel one of the biggest uh things uh that google is looking for is the really good performance uh with great core web vitals uh uh great uh technical seo part because uh the uh, this uh, actually uh produces much greater effect on the on the ranks then let's say uh the the same core of vitals optimization let's say in some other niches you know would you would you say that this is tied to user experience like google prioritizes user experience for the travel niche yeah i would say uh, uh user experience in terms of for the uh, technical performance like fast load especially on uh, other uh, various countries you know and uh, across uh, different markets and, and so on okay does content play any role in the customer journey or in that growth that growth that you have achieved you have help articles and blog posts i just you know um want want to understand what's like what's the scope and role of content in you know for for a company like kiwi.com uh content is uh, of course uh important uh, uh but uh, it's uh, just uh important that we need to uh, sort of have approximately the same uh level of content and quality content as our competitors uh if you sort of reach the same sort of uh, uh level of um, uh, detail uh, and the same le- level of uh, topical coverage for for your uh, niche uh, uh then um the other factors like performance come come into place okay. so that's that's at least experience that I've I've had with Kiwi so when when we started to actually uh we when we build uh the let's say origin to destination landing pages which were launched first you know uh with uh, like huge number of combinations like millions of combinations so we've we have done quite crazy things so we just generated 1 million landing pages uh which was against all of the best practices that I've heard of uh and just push them immediately to the production and uh even though 
it, they didn't get indexed immediately uh, over time. Once we uh, fixed a lot of uh, technical issues, uh, it really uh, picked up uh, and uh, we were able to, uh, to rank for many of them. Are you concerned at all about things like, I don't know, thin content uh, with pages, like r rolling out pages in bulk, like, like, you know, what you just yes, mentioned? Yes, yes. It, thin content is really, really a big struggle, especially in the beginning for us. But the way we, we were able to fix it is uh, to actually provide a lot of unique, um, unique content uh, and uh, uh, have approximately the same balance of this content across uh, like uh, us versus competition. Plus add a little bit of more content that doesn't, uh, that our competitors do not have. Like for example, travel tips. Okay, that's, that's a good one. Uh, also, you know, uh, connected to that, are you concerned at all when rolling out pages like that about crawl budget and it's a yes, big challenge. Yeah, what what actions do you do you take to ensure that Google will keep crawling all of the important pages on your website? Well, uh, there are two things. Of course, the backlinks, and you need to actually balance the backlinks and do a very good uh, work on interlinking because interlinking for such a big, huge amount of pages is is quite quite a challenge. You know, there is a lot of math uh, that needs to be done to to make sure that you uh, sort of sculpt. Uh, the links, uh, link equity uh, across the huge mass of pages and making sure that uh, the most important pages for you are going to the top. But besides that, it's also funneling the uh, historical backlinks into uh, b historical backlink equity into into the landing pages. So that was the the redirect uh, system was also quite complex, and uh, we've spent a lot of thought uh, doing this redirect. Have you ever not not a not a comment on it, but have you ever like decided or have have seen that you know what Google is not indexing these pages or is is even dropping pages from from the index, and so we have to we need to take action in the context of a you know, audit or whatever, and we need to delete even some some of these pages. Yes, of course, uh, the deletion and optimization is coming as well. You know, like especially when you see that the, the page, a certain group of pages that are not performing and not uh, getting any any impressions, uh, obviously they need to be uh, removed at some point. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there are quite a lot of things that you can do to improve the crawl budget, like performance as well, you know, so the performance actually provides two twofold benefits. One is uh, the uh, better core vitals uh, providing the higher ranks. And the second is the better page load is um, and the more efficient uh, page load is saving your crawl budget and reducing the number of queries that uh, search bots, Google bot needs to query your website to, to get uh, get the the page um it actually has quite quite big benefits especially for large websites okay that's a that's a good point another one that i would like to uh another point that i would like to discuss uh, which i find to be a very big channels but i would like to hear your thoughts is um, localization your website targets people living in different countries speaking different languages what are the main learning points 
you have by translating and localizing your website and how do you approach SEO in all these different countries slash uh, languages? Yeah, well, uh, it, it's it's a very big beast, uh, you know, localization, because currently with Kiwi, we support over 30 languages. Uh, when I was working at HotelScan, uh, we were supporting 72 languages. Um, it, it's fun, uh, you know, like when you s uh, need to understand that, you know, like there's uh, like different markets and they all need to be optimized at some point. And, uh, but the, the, the beauty of the travel sector that the clients are really, the client experience is really humble. You know, and for a lot, a lot of markets, especially if you speak about the European markets and so on, it's uh, very, uh, very much the same. So uh, the the overall user flow and the way how we build the landing pages, they do not uh, do not need to be uh, uh, customized that much. Okay, yeah, that, that uh, makes that makes sense. So uh, the uh, the basic setup for uh, for the localization team, and uh, it's just. Uh, making sure that uh, there are local experts uh, and uh, then you actually don't translate uh, the keywords, uh, the main keywords that you're targeting uh, word by word. So the keywords need to be really um, customized because some people in Hungary don't don't search for, uh, let's say, uh, uh, cheap flights. They search for just uh, uh, other combination, you know, like just flights. You know, I understand what what you're saying is that uh, the fact that like a person from the U.S., for example, maybe searching for cheap flights doesn't mean that this is the same way, the exact same way that a person from I don't know um, Spain will will search for cheap flights online. Maybe they will use a, a different combination. And I, I guess this goes back to like how we use language. And I, I I have seen some great examples of that. A website I can think of is Canva, which has done a tremendous job with with SEO and you know localization in in particular and we I, i've studied their website a lot when it comes to how they like translate things and how they um uh, let's say uh, transform keywords from one uh, language to to another and i think that what what you're saying makes sense but as i see it only a person who actually a local like would be able to spot this difference and tell you that no like in hungary we don't search for cheap flights like that we will use this phrase Exactly. So you need to have a lot of, let's say, at least one local expert for each each language and ideally even for each market. And that's one challenge. The second challenge is uh, declensions, uh, like name declensions and like city declensions uh, and uh, various modifications of the of the words, because, for example, in uh, in Czech Republic or in Ukraine, you know, we don't search uh, for, let's say, fli flights for uh, flights from, let's say, from Kiev to to New York. Uh, it's going to be like uh, um, uh, the, the, the from uh, do New Yorku. Uh, we don't say Kiev. You know, it's like okay. so the, you need to have the endings in the word, and the, this endings is different uh, are different. And the same thing for many other languages, like for Slavic languages, like uh, uh, Czech or Polish, uh, Hungarian as well. Uh, so there, uh, there are a lot of uh, different um, uh, variations that you need to take into account.
Uh, therefore, uh, when, when you uh, automatically translate uh, the uh, keywords uh, in your title or whatever in the text of the message, you know, you have to um, uh, create not a single string, but actually uh, like four or five strings uh, for uh, for the localization for each uh, each city name which is uh, also quite interesting challenge you know uh, and then there is uh, another thing that you need to do is actually a lot of quality control at the end for for the translation yeah definitely but uh, do you do do you handle that in house or do you outsource the whole process or how does it work uh, in house um the the reason why it's uh, done in house is uh, because of the complexity of the internal systems you know so we um we cannot uh, it's going to be quite hard to actually uh, integrate an agency uh, into the whole um, engineering workflow to actually do the localizations yeah because in your case seo seems to be very very close to product so it it's it's quite you know challenging i can i can only assume for people inside the company like work together and collaborate uh let alone an external uh, resource to uh, collaborate as 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 well i, I would like to uh, shift gears a bit and discuss something uh, slightly different which is uh, paid search uh, and my question would be i can only assume that you know since there is competition on an organic search level there is definitely competition on on a paid search level absolutely uh, and my, my question would be how do you use insights you get from paid search to inform your organic search strategies well uh unfortunately we don't use it as you use, use it as much as we want you know there's a lot of opportunities to do it but um since um the uh, maturity of the seo organization within kiwi is not uh is not um reaching this, this level the um uh, let's say uh, the usage of this uh, sem data currently is not uh, as heavy as I want to. But at the same time, I see a lot of great opportunities and uh, uh, cooperation between uh, SEM and SEO. Uh, because Google Ads, um, when you search or just any sort of keyword research will give you only partial data. It's not going to give you a lot of uh, deep insights um, on, let's say, search volumes or the way how this or that keyword will convert but with SEM you can actually get the real world data especially in the long long tail keywords so uh, the capturing of this data is actually one of the biggest uh, challenges because obviously uh, you you can imagine uh, what 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 a complex system has to be there to actually uh, feed google um with uh, so many keywords and create so many different campaigns and then monitor them and uh, so it's it's just a, a huge thing in itself to build such a such a big engine um, uh, and then build the data component into it so that you actually be able to capture the data store it in somewhere let's say in BigQuery or in some sort of like database and then analyze it with uh, with uh, various tools uh so uh, i think the uh the biggest challenge right now for us is actually uh being able to capture this data uh analyze it properly and uh make sure that we use this data in our prioritization of the landing pages and throughout the decision making process in seo i think that's an important point because prioritization especially in such a big website is is something very important because 
I, I, I assume that there are so many ideas and opportunities and things that you would like to do, but at the end of the day, you really have to think about impact and what would, you know, help the company grow and what will, you know, actually have an impact on the company's bottom line. And so you have to prioritize. And, um, I mean, in some cases I find paid search to be a, let's say a helper in, in that direction to, to prioritize, um, initiatives, uh, SEO initiatives. Now, as we are, um, like ready to, to start wrapping things uh, up, I, I would like to ask you, you are a, obviously a veteran and an expert in, in what you, what you do. And SEO is working up until this point really well for many, many businesses. And I think that it has really transformed many businesses and even industries online. But we have the rise of all these technologies, new technologies like chat, GPT, GPT3. <laughs> have you, have GPT, you been experimenting with this? GPT4, yeah, I have. And uh, I guess my question is, where do you see SEO in the next 10, 20 years? I mean, and I ask this question a lot and, and I really think about these things. My question, I guess, is will there be anything for left for us to do? And um, how do you see the landscape, the SEO landscape transform um, in the future? Well, I, I, I think that we'll see a lot of niche experts because what I see that, uh, from Google and uh, working with uh, various niches as well, uh, because I, I, what I see in, let's say, in, is that Google actually uh, makes quite different SEO for various niches. You know, like for travel, it's one thing. For, uh, for PDF segment, it's a different thing. For um, like e-commerce uh, goods, whatever it's, it's so th there will be like uh, a lot of uh, niche uh, expertise that is accumulated over time. And uh, what I see that Google is uh, starting to deviate uh, much more uh, across this uh, different industry segments. This is one direction that I uh, I feel that um, this is going to be quite uh, obvious and uh, more obvious than that it is now in in let's say 20 years. And the second thing is the overall work with content. Uh, it's also going to change uh, because uh, with the uh, technology advancing so fast, uh, the the way how we uh, approach the content will be quite different than what we have now. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, I was working as a freelancer back then, and I was experimenting with a, a tool that was, you know, generating content with the help of AI. And I remember back then the reaction of one of my very few clients was, you know, this is dangerous. Like you should stay away from, from this stuff. Now the perception about these tools and generative content starts to change. People are not as, especially if they are like, um, you know, price sensitive, um, they are open to experimenting with with AI and see yeah, true, you know the, the potential of these of true. these tools and so i think that since there is a, a shift in perception there will definitely be a shift in the like overall way of doing things when it comes to content and I think that this is, there's no question if this is going to happen, it's happening. Question right when, now. yeah, question yeah. when. <laughs> it's happening right now. And the, the fascinating thing about these technologies is that they're picking up really, really fast. And I don't yes. know, 
I guess I, I, I guess at some point we we will have to accept it and like the same way we have authors under every piece of content we may have to explain that you know what 90% of this piece of content has been generated by AI which is ethical to say that you know what just so you know if you're reading this it was written by AI okay so unavoidably I think that we will you know move towards that direction I don't know what your thoughts are but yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we we will uh, we will have this uh, going to be a big part of SEO ecosystem at the AI content. Yeah, and I think I think uh, what we see a lot is just gonna, we're going to have a lot of shifts from uh, content into engineering because uh, <laughs> basically you will not start writing; you start programming the content. That's that's a very good that's a very good point. Uh, and you know maybe we will have more many uh, content writers like. Uh, like, a like content programmers, you know, or something like that. That's that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, who knows? Especially who given knows. all the languages and all the like, there's already already a niche for language experts who are pro language uh, language engineers. You know, it's a, it's a it's a very big growing field. That's Especially like handling the challenges like Kiwi has, for example, like with all the declensions of CDs and over uh, or like uh, changing the sentences or algorithmically produced uh, phrases and languages and so on. It's 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 huge. Yeah, it's it's definitely huge. Let's see. Excited about the future. Uh, a bit, you know, skeptical, but at the same time uh, excited about it. Uh, last question I have for you, Andre. Where can people? find out more and reach out if they'd like to? Sure. Uh, my LinkedIn profile, uh, it's all that late, uh, linkedin.com slash en slash in slash Terentiev, my last name. Okay. We will, and, we will include it in uh, the show notes. So uh, plus uh, my email as well is andri at terentiev.net. So that's my... That, that's great. That's easy. great. Andre, that was all very insightful. Thank you very much for joining us. And um, yeah, looking forward to the future discussion. Um, awesome. Thank yeah. you for having me here. And uh, I really enjoyed the talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, AHS. AHRS provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use AHRS Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com slash awt and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.